Welcome to Iodine Intelligence, empowering intelligent care. Welcome to Iodine Intelligence, empowering intelligent care, a podcast brought to you by the experts at Iodine. I'm your host, Lauren Hickey. Since OpenAI debuted ChatGPT in November of 2022, there has been a ton of discussion on its potential and its implications on everything from healthcare to marketing to schoolwork to law. So joining me today to discuss ChatGPT's potential in the clinical documentation integrity space is Fran Jurak, Iodine's Chief Clinical Strategist. Welcome back to the show, Fran. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So glad to be here again. It's always fun to have a conversation with you, Lauren. So just some quick background for any of our listeners who are unfamiliar. ChatGPT is a free program online. It's a chatbot. So you type in your questions or requests and it spits back answers. And these answers are not things that are copied and pasted from somewhere else. It's custom content that ChatGPT is creating for you at your request. OpenAI trained ChatGPT on a large amount of online textual data. So this includes things like web pages, books, and articles. It's designed to mimic human uh, conversation, but it's very versatile. It can write and debug computer programming. It can compose songs and poems. It can write student essays or answer test questions. For example, uh, the bar exam. And among its wide range of potential applications is clinical documentation integrity. And some people are touting it as like the next big solution. This is gonna solve all of our problems. So with that groundwork laid, let's get right to the point, Fran. Is ChatGPT it? Is this the answer? Is this going to solve all of our problems in CDI? Uh, I'm going to have to say uh, without some additional uh, work, without some additional AI, the answer is no. Right. Right. Again, the transcription of what's going to be provided is still dependent upon the person's entry of information. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes essentially an opportunity to, from even a high level AI perspective, just translate. Uh, the information being provided to it, what it cannot do, uh, of which often is the the concern of a, of CDI work, is find out what's not there, right? It, it, it's not interpreting the information to determine, do I have the right answers? It's just providing the answer in contextual to the information provided. Uh, that said, is there a long-term solution? Are there some other solutions that align with CDI? I think we can kind of explore that in this conversation, Right the taking of the physician's information into a document, I do think there's some opportunity there. But this overall, is this going to solve all problems? Not with a lot more additional work. Right. So let's dive deeper into sort of some of the problems and limitations. And you already sort of touched on this, that it's not necessarily finding what's missing. So ChatGPT is actually based on natural language processing, NLP, which we've touched on on this podcast before. Um, and it's actually all NLP is already deployed in the CDI space. There are a lot of solutions that are powered by NLP now. So can you dive a little deeper, Fran, and sort of talk about some of the limitations of NLP, specifically when they're applied to uh, CDI? Yeah, sure. So again, this is just taking what's there, right? So NLP has, it has the capability to really contextualize and take from document, documents what has been identified, whether it's a 
you know, it, it could even be not just the language itself, but something that's been included in a narrative document of a, a lab test or whatever. So it can find those things that are already provided. What it can't do is look at the summary of that information and apply any kind of logic or understanding to the underlying intent or meaning or missed opportunity of documentation that should better or could better reflect what is actually happening in that case. So very specifically for CDI, you know, you can <clears throat> speak very specifically to signs and symptoms of a medical condition, but if that medical condition isn't articulated in the documentation, then NLP can't find it, right? And that's where chat GPT also has that limitation. Um, it cannot, it, it has not yet been trained to identify the contextualization or the summary of all of that information to identify what the documentation should be, not what's actually being provided. Right, NLP can be very powerful, it's a great tool. It has a lot of its own applications. It's very good at taking data and translating it into a form that a computer or a computer program can actually interpret and use. But that's, if you, think that if you reduce it sort of it's to a foundation, that's kind of the opposite of what CDI is doing. CDI is not looking at what's there and then interpreting it. They're looking for what's missing, which sort of at its core is not what NLP is doing. Well, and I think when you're speaking very specifically to documentation, that's absolutely true. I think taking that a little step further, what CDI is trying to do is look at the full clinical picture of what's being monitored and treated in a patient encounter and determining from there what are the medical condition, conditions that should be documented, as well as the acuity and specificity of those conditions, right? And that requires a different type of artificial intelligence to be able to interpret and understand, as opposed to just leveraging natural language processing. Right. So one of sort of the second issues with chat GPT is there are bias. It's trained on online textual data. So there are there's biases in that, which, I mean, in, in fairness, any form of artificial intelligence has to be careful about biases in the data that they're training their models on. Um, this is not a problem that's unique to ChatGPT. But there are reports of ChatGPT falsifying answers. You'll ask it a question and it will make up an answer that sounds like very scientific and it will have citations. And if you dig a little deeper, those citations are fake. It just made them up whole cloth. Um, and then there are also examples of it displaying biases in its answers. So if you ask it something like, oh, can you describe a good scientist? It will say a good scientist is a white man. And so those types of things, you know, if you're asking ChatGPT to write you a blog post, that's sort of one thing. But when that type of bias is applied to people's health and their medical record, it really becomes uh, a, a bigger problem that has potential for some real consequences for people. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you. I mean, you bring up two points. One is it cannot be trained on PHI and, you know, personal information until there's some leverage of relationship with, you know, uh, being able to protect that information. Right. Let's say secondly to that point, um, having that clinical, every human is uniquely different. Mm -hmm. And so applying a common rule or approach to 
care or documentation, or in this case, the the doc the transfer of that documentation has a uniqueness per individual that you can't just create a common response to. So even when I look at clinical factors for a particular condition, the age, the sex, the history, the family history of the patient, all in relation to that clinical content means something different by individual. So applying something that doesn't yet understand that to create a common response will be very, very difficult. I, I, you know, do I think long-term there's a possibility trained on the right data to your point? I do think that there's a, a, meth, a, a, a an opportunity moving forward that would not so much, you know, change the CDI world as much as how we transfer what's in the brain of a provider into a document that can be read by others, whether it's electronic or paper. Um, just like I think, is there an opportunity to say, hey, I could just chat GPT my query and create an auto-generated type query without the context of the individual information specific to a relative case? It's going to provide, you know, kind of a common response that may not be applicable in that particular case for that particular situation. Yeah. So this sort of gets into really sort of the root of the problem when you're thinking about applying ChatGPT to CDI is that it it doesn't necessarily fix the root of what causes discrepancies in clinical documentation. And having a form of artificial intelligence that mimics the way a physician writes notes is likely to produce sort of the same documentation that physicians produce now, which is documentation with with discrepancies or with something missing. Only now, we don't even have the physician writing it. The physician is a further step removed. And so potentially you end up with documentation that's even less accurate because the physician never even touched it. Yeah, so yeah, that, that's a really good point. And, and you know, much like everyone else, I've gone into chat GPT and I've played with it and I've tried to create progress notes. I've tried mm-hmm. to create theories and, you know, see where it takes me. I think the biggest point here is being able to train on the right data set, right? So based on the available information that that is that is there today, it cannot provide the level of detail necessary because it just doesn't have that learning to base on. So to say chat GPT is the solution now, is there a way to layer multiple types of AI to create something that would maybe potentially solve this problem? I think that's where the opportunity is in this space. But specifically to your point here that, you know, we are trying to take or emulate what's happening in the brain of a provider and get that translated into a document that can be shared and communicated across the healthcare delivery team. And, th- and that becomes the challenge because providers are different in the way that they think, in the way that they do things, although there's certainly a common uh, knowledge base that they work from. The patient themselves are uniquely different, right? So those factors that you we're trained on medical school to understand what's happening to patients becomes uniquely different by patient. And it's not until you've seen hundreds of patients or thousands of patients that you can see that unique differentness that happen. How do we get that translated into a document that's applicable to this patient in this scenario at this date and time? And I think that becomes the challenge with just trying to say, AI is going to solve all this problem. It's, it's, it's not as easy as those words sound. It takes a lot of time and energy and dedication to accurately capture. You need a lot of data, 
right? You're going to need millions and millions of medical records to really be able to see how you can influence and create a document that makes sense. Right. And I think sometimes people sort of imagine like, oh, it's a chat bot. I'll go in and I can just say, you know, chat GPT, write me a progress note for a patient with X, Y, and Z symptoms. And even if it did a really good job at writing that progress note, if it just spits that out as a block of text, that still has very limited applicability within healthcare because that block of text has to really flow downstream to a lot of other sources. And so it, it can't just have an output of just a block of text because that's not actually going to integrate well with all of the other pieces and programs and software within a modern hospital today. You're absolutely right, right? We're, we're somewhat dependent now in healthcare on all the different data points to right. your point about the block of text. And how do you take that information and um, move it into the compartments or the data centers that are necessary to provide the information for the people who need to use it, um, including even a patient's ability to understand their own care, right? This is, this is even just beyond how the healthcare team provides care. It's also, what does this mean to the patient? Um, to your point, I've done the same thing, right? Going to chat, chat GPT and try and create a progress note. Um, and without the, and it's still dependent upon the provider or the person trying to create the, the message, including all of the data necessary to create that particular document, right? So if you miss vital signs, if you miss clinical information to support where you're going, it can't create the document with any level of accuracy that identifies what's really happening to that patient. Right. And so is that something that potentially layering a template over that could could help with? I think that that's something that, you know, is sort of happening in the CDI space now of, of like, oh, we'll have these templates and that will streamline things. And I mean, obviously templates help in, in simply because it allows the provider or the creator of, of the, the document to ensure that they don't forget points along the way, Right. And if there are blanks or holes, then you know you haven't filled out all of the information. I don't think it's enough. I think it's one step that gets you a little bit closer. I do see, based upon my experience, some value or potential value for this, maybe more in the outpatient arena as opposed to the inpatient arena, where uh, the encounter with the patient is much shorter. The detail that needs to be included is much, much more uh, streamlined, much more limited to the encounter itself and not the overall picture of the patient. I do think there's some opportunity there that will allow us to learn and grow and figure out how then we can translate this to other scenarios within healthcare. That's a good point. I mean, in general, I think people talk about like applying ChatGBT to medicine as a whole, and they're using healthcare as a big bucket. But there's a big difference between a patient who goes to an outpatient setting for a service and they're in and out in a day versus somebody who is an outpatient and they're transferred to inpatient and they're in the hospital for seven days and then they get discharged to at-home planning. And like, those are, those are wildly different patient experiences that need to be like tracked and documented. Absolutely. And I know what's, what's interesting is many of those shorter encounters, whether it be an office visit or even a home care visit, um, still require a significant amount of clinical information and data to support the documentation that needs to be included to you know, validate the me medical necessity, to, to translate care um, plans across healthcare team members. 
So I think that's where there's this great opportunity here to be able to take that information for those short encounters and create the document that's necessary to, to communicate that care. I think the transition to get to these longer term inpatient or acute care or long-term care facility opportunities are going to take much longer because the detail and the content and the context of what needs to be included is so much greater depth that it makes it more difficult to anticipate or create something that would have common applicability across many scenarios. Yeah. So you sort of already brought this up frame with, oh, it's potential uses in the outpatient space. And while we maybe don't think that in its current iteration, ChatGPT is the answer for CDI problems, that doesn't mean it doesn't have any uses or opportunities in the medical field. So um, you already mentioned using it in outpatient space. What do you think are some other potential areas where it could be useful? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I, I even think about it from a CDI perspective. And, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, could it write my query for me, right? If I give it the right information. I think there are some other areas within the entire revenue cycle on the inpatient side, everything from insurance verification through creation of denial letters, where there could be some applicability. Now, you know, others would say, well, isn't that just the same as using a template? And I would say to some degree that's true, but this would allow you to be able to translate the key clinical factors or the key clinical components that you need and just say, create this for me based upon X, as opposed to you having to manually type in within a template that information. So I do think that there's an opportunity um, for other areas within healthcare where this application would be extremely helpful. I mean, even in day-to-day communication with what we do with providers and coders, et cetera, um, to create those emails or those text messages or those, you know, whatever it is your methodology for communication might be, has potential, right? Write it for me so I don't have to spend the time typing it out and fixing my typos and, you know, uh, even autocorrect uh, and spelling will, can sometimes change the intent of your message if you don't watch it closely enough. Um, I, I also think that that has a potential to be uh, a negative outcome of leveraging mm-hmm. something like ChatGPT in that it does require the author to ensure that what got translated into the document is as accurate as it should be. Right. Because again, it is dependent upon what it knows and its interpretation of what it has learned from the data set. And if it doesn't have that full breadth, you can still get typos or words that are not appropriate for that situation. And so my fear in all of this is much like what we've done, even with autocorrect in a text message is we still hit send. And then afterwards we realize, oh my gosh, I didn't mean to do that. It didn't, it autocorrected something I didn't want it to say. And you end up sometimes in a very bad situation because of that. So it's how we use it as humans, right? It's always helpful to have technology that makes our lives easier, more efficient, you know, create that bandwidth for all the other things we want to do. Uh, at the same time, we have to ensure we use it wisely. Yeah, I mean, I think chat GPT can maybe get you a first draft of something, whether it's an email or, you know, anything else. But you maybe you that's have to, a blog post. <laughs> right. right. But you then have to review that draft. It's not a like one and done. You tell it to do something for you and you walk away and you never look at it again. That's probably not a great policy. And yeah, I mean, I think it's it's like a, a lot of other new technology, right? Maybe we'll get there where we can trust it in the future. 
Um, I used this example uh, just this week with the original GPS systems, mm. where when you had a Garmin in a rental car years ago, um, I still would at home print out my directions because the Garmin yep. wasn't always right. Yeah. Now we don't have Garmin's in our car, but we're leveraging our phones. And most of us will blindly follow where that phone's going to take us because we know the accuracy in today's world is much better than it was 10 years ago. Chat GPT 10 years from now might be in that place where we don't feel we need to check it. Yeah. Um, but it's not there yet. So I think that that's going to do it for this month's episode. Thank you so much again, Fran, for taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Lauren. It's always fun to chat. And uh, I'm looking forward to see what this technology is going to do for us as a society, let alone just what's going to happen in healthcare. And thank you to all our listeners for joining us today. If you liked what you heard, make sure that you subscribe with Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to listen. We'll be back with a new episode next month. And until then, I'm your host, Lauren Hickey. Thank you for listening.